In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now as Jesus was drawing near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is the word of the Lord. When a conqueror draws near to his prize, he is overjoyed at the prospect of his victory. He draws near with excitement, with anticipation and with zeal, but never with tears, and certainly never with sadness. Yet Jesus weeps when he draws near to the holy city of Jerusalem, his prize. The prophet has seen his hearers, the priest has seen his people, and the king has seen his subjects, but he weeps for them and on account of them. This is not the first time Jesus weeps, nor will it be the last. It is, however, perhaps the greatest time that Jesus weeps. For any other tears he sheds are centered around this moment. He wept first upon hearing of the death of his beloved friend Lazarus. Days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children with you to the ground. He wept last in the garden of Gethsemane with great sorrow as his torture and death loomed over him. If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, now, as he looks over Jerusalem, he weeps for the death of his people, the death they have chosen for themselves, rejecting the Savior sent for their benefit and rejecting the message he comes to bring. He weeps for the pain that he will undergo at the hands of his beloved. He weeps that death will bring about life and that those who received life will instead choose death. Jesus also weeps for the very real and present event that looms over Jerusalem, even as his own death looms over him. Within the short span of 40 years, the Roman general and soon-to-be emperor, Titus, besieged the holy city. They will not leave in you, one stone upon another, and the Romans did not. Indeed, so aggressively did they break walls and tear apart the temple of that city that after pulling every stone apart, they took to the rubble with shovels to beat Jerusalem into the dust, quite literally. Jesus weeps for this event 
for the loss of life it brings and for its destruction. Even more so, however, does he weep for what this event will preach. The destruction of the temple and the siege of Jerusalem point ahead to the destruction that will take place on the last day. Like every destructive event of the past, brought about by the Philistines, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians, this coming destruction points ahead to the greater destruction that will befall those who have turned away from the Lord. Jerusalem, the city that killed the prophets and stoned the priests sent to her, remains true to form even now in seeking to kill the true prophet, the true priest, and even her true king. How the Lord has longed to gather these people to himself. How the Lord has longed to gather the sinners of the world to himself to offer life and salvation apart from sin and death. But they would not have it so. The evangelist John records, This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light. Jerusalem, and all whom she represents throughout time and space, will receive her condemnation. Not because God delights in judgment, but because in sin this city and her, and her inhabitants have turned away from him. Thus, Jesus weeps like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. For behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom do they have? Therefore I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will inherit them. They shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down. In his weeping, Jesus then preaches what concerns him most that the sinner turn from his wicked ways, seek the face of God, receive the person of his incarnate word, and live. It is truly as simple as that. Yet in order for man to turn from his ways, to acknowledge sin, and to seek the face of God, and even to receive the person of Christ, he must first submit to the will of another. For many in the community of Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, in the modern culture, and even within the church herself, this is a task too difficult to be desirable. Submitting to Christ, loving what he loves and rejecting what he rejects, and acknowledging that everything in life is not about you is indeed difficult. For the giving up of self is contrary to the desires of the flesh, 
which seeks nothing other than to retain the self, retain the will, kill the prophets, stone the priests, and crucify the king. All who kick against the goads, who live thusly, who would await the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction on the final day, they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. To you of Jerusalem, who, according to Christ's own verdict, did not know the time of your visitation, he preaches in the temple. He enters in because he is the word of that place. He enters in because that is his father's house. He enters in that the cause of his weeping might be met, and that his eyes, the eyes of all who see, might be opened to the visitation before them, before you. He enters in and drives out those who hawk their wares. He is the last and greatest prophet who has come to the holy city. This preaches the necessity of simplicity in the house of God. As he has already spoken, you cannot serve God and mammon. He must enter the temple, drive out the mammon, clean away its distraction, and make room for himself. He now dwells in the temple and restores it to its purpose, not to sell wares, not to extort anything out of you, but instead to hear you to weep with you, not for you, and most of all, to give to you. He enters in and scatters the animals intended for sacrifice. He is the last and greatest priest who has served in the holy city. This preaches the things that make for your peace that you might know. For he is himself the sacrificial lamb. He is the last, the great, and the only sacrifice. What are these doves to the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? What are the simple sin offerings when compared with the complete and eternal remission of your sins? As if these two actions did not preach enough, he also enters in and overturns the tables. He is the last and greatest king to rule in the holy city. Even the act of overturning tables preaches, for Christ has entered into the kingdom of sin and death, and he has come to claim the throne, to overturn the former kingdom and replace it with the kingdom of God. He overturns the tables of the thieves to point ahead to a singular table of righteousness. This table remains in the temple even now, and it calls to you regularly, loudly, and joyfully. Here he gives you the fullness of himself in body and in blood, that you, O Jerusalem, would receive the prophet whom you killed, the priest whom you stoned, and the king who was put to death 
for you and that you might not weep over your sins, for they have certainly been put away. Even as the old Jerusalem was destroyed and as Christ wept, a new Jerusalem is built over which Christ rejoices. The old must pass away. Those who rejected must be judged. Even this preaches. No longer is the temple that was destroyed the place of God's dwelling. In Christ, that building can be turned to rubble, for his very flesh has become the new holy city, the new temple, and the new holy of holies. Within this precious body, you now dwell, formed by water and by blood, and all tears, including those of Christ himself, are removed to be replaced only with unspeakable joy. Remain, O Jerusalem, within these walls. Come and see your prophet. Come and receive the sacrifice of your priest. Come and be served by your king. Amen.